This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch. So a lot has happened since we last signed off here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. In fact, gentlemen, it was one week ago today as I was signing off that news broke. The Cardinals and Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon had agreed to terms to become the new head coach. That since has become official. He's been introduced and now we're getting reports on Gannon's staff. All of that to be covered here, but let's go one at a time because, Paul, well, we've heard your take on Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon. Everyone's heard my take on Jonathan Gannon. What we haven't heard, though, is Kyle's take on the 40-year-old first-time head coach, what you know, what you heard from the press conference, and what you've read. I love it. I love the hire. Um, I love the energy he comes with. Just from a player perspective, um, you know, it, watching him interact with some of the players that were at the press conference shortly after it, um, the way he engages his players, the way he talks about how adaptable he wants to be uh, for the players on this team, and and um, just I mean the energy. It's you can feel it. You can see it. Um, I don't know. I mean, quite frankly, I went to the Super Bowl. And I was exhausted for three days after watching the game. And for him to come in and, and nail an interview and then nail a second interview and get the job and nail a press conference and walk around the building and um, really make a great first impression with everybody in this building, but more specifically and most importantly with the players and with Kyler Murray. I mean, I think he's certainly off to a great start. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things he talks about and before his hire um, – you know, Michael Bidwell and Monty Asafort talked about this team needs more accountability, and it's what he talks about, and he talks about the character of the, the, the type of players he wants to bring, and you can expect that. You can expect the players that are coming back to mirror his type of energy and his type of passion and enthusiasm that he brings, and you can expect them to search for and bring in the type of players that, that also bring that type of energy and accountability to this team. And that word accountability, Paul, because I know you had a chance to sit down with him on the Big Red Rage, but accountability is not a negative term. He meant that as a positive when he talks about holding players accountable, holding himself accountable as well. He defines it as you have to define what winning is and then hold people to that standard. And he said it was the absolute key to what Nick Sirianni did in taking a four-win team to the Super Bowl in two years. It's exactly what Shane Steichen cited in the Colts press conference when someone asked him about the turnaround in Philadelphia and Nick Sirianni, what was his main takeaway from Sirianni was his ability to install and instill that accountability. So it was to Kyle's point, you know, there were a number of players in the press conference, and I can't tell you how many of them were nodding along like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? A couple of fist pumps in there, like when he used the word violent, when he he had the four pillars of adaptable, violent, explosive, and smart, his brand of football that he wants to bring to the Cardinals, and by violent he means physical. 
And, and, and I was nodding my head because I don't know about you guys, but as he was going along in the press conference, he was checking every box. I, I understood why he was hired. The accountability, right? His definition thereof, his plan for Kyler, right? The energy and leadership he's going to bring. And the fact he had a front row seat was an integral part of that turnaround in Philadelphia. So to me, I think everything that Monty Asaford and Michael Bidwell communicated to the media throughout the process as to what they were looking for, I was nodding behind because, you know what, yep, I can see why they settled on Jonathan Gannon. In two years' time, the Eagles went from four wins to the Super Bowl. Let's hope that's the case here with the Arizona Cardinals. So Jonathan Gannon has been hired. Everything else that we've heard with respects to his staff, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all according to reports, nothing official from the team. But let's go through it here because we'll get more in-depth as the show progresses. When we talk about what we've heard, according to reports, offensive coordinator Drew Petzing, former Browns quarterbacks coach, defensive coordinator Nick Rollis, the Eagles linebackers coach, Jeff Rogers, Cardinal special teams coach, coordinator, and assistant coach, has been retained. And in the last 24 hours, Paul, we've heard Clayton Adams, Colts tight ends coach, is going to be the offensive line coach. And Drew Terrell, commander's wide receivers coach, a strong candidate to become the passing game coordinator. I mean, I cleaned stuff out of the garage this weekend that's older than most of the coordinators on this team, okay? So we're going to have to bring a lot of name tags to the party in the next couple of months here. Hello, my name is, because a lot of new names, a lot of young energy in this one. The big one for me is Drew Petzing, because this the fact he's where the offense begins and ends. We're, he's going to be the guy. Although Jonathan Gannon, he reiterated on the Big Red Rage, he definitely has a vision for what he wants to run on offense. And he said to Wolf, we're going to live in 11, 12, and 13 personnel. So even though he's a defensive guy, Jonathan Gannon, he he does have a vision of what he wants in offense. But to have a quarterback coach come over from Cleveland who's never called plays before, and you're giving him the keys to the offense – to me, that's a big deal, and that will probably you know, merit most of the spotlight and the focus from the media. You're going to have a first-time offensive coordinator, a first-time defensive coordinator, a first-time head coach, but outside of Jeff Rogers, who is quote-unquote the old man on the staff, at least as we speak here on this Tuesday, Kyle, it is a young staff, it is an energetic staff, certainly a reflection of the head coach. <laughs> You're exactly right. You... You've joked several times about either me or Drew being hired to the staff. We're too old. Look, I mean, you, I don't know if we could fit into this staff, a bunch of whippersnappers on this staff. But, um, yeah, I mean, you've got to think everybody's aligned uh, with Jonathan Gannon's vision. And, and a part of that interview process, um, you know, sitting down with his coordinator, sitting down with his position coach, uh, these are the guys that are going to be with the players the most. They're going to be the ones that are in the meeting rooms and on the practice field and in individual drills. And you've got to think he's he's stressed all of his pillars to them um, and that they fit. They will bring that type of energy, that type of accountability, and and demand it from their players. And quite frankly, just you know, you're hearing whispers and and really hearing things out loud from players last year. You know, players don't always want a hard practice, but they know they need it. And you could hear it from Buda Baker after the season. You could hear it from Isaiah Simmons saying, 
we don't feel like we were fully prepared after training camp, and you can expect that that's going to look entirely different this year. Um, and he talks about, look, he doesn't believe, Jonathan Gannon doesn't believe being on the practice field for four hours that's going to make you better. He wants to be fast, he wants to be efficient, and he wants to have that energy. And so he's starting to assemble a staff that has that same type of belief and those same types of visions where we don't need to rep things a thousand times. We need to go out there, we need to do it fast, but we need to do it right. And when you put together a staff, it's all about those relationships. Who do you know? And when you look at Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing, well, they were together for four seasons with the Minnesota Vikings from 2014 to 2017. Obviously, Nick Rawls served under Gannon as linebackers coach the past two seasons. And then Clayton Adams, they were together for a couple of seasons in Indianapolis from 2019 to 2020 when Gannon was the DB's coach. I don't know if there's a relationship with Jeff Rogers or Drew Terrell, though Terrell was one of those candidates that did interview for the OC job and now Paul probably looking to become the passing game coordinator. You know, Jonathan Gannon is a first-time head coach, comes in with this quiet confidence. Actually, maybe not so quiet. An energetic confidence. And it's interesting just to see that dynamic. And when he was talking to Peter King, and he had the interview over the weekend, he said, when we got to Philly, we had the youngest staff in the NFL. There's a reason that our players ran into the building to come to work. So there's this sense of, I've been there and done this before. I was on the youngest staff in the NFL. We've taken a four-win team to the Super Bowl. There's all these instances of where, even though he's a first-time head coach, he's, he's already been there. And then he went on, he explained further, he said, among other things, he told Peter King that age, and I'm quoting now, was never a factor for me. It's what's in their brain and what's in their heart. It's capacity and character. Age isn't a prerequisite for firepower. That's Jonathan Gannon. So it's not how long you've been doing it. It's how well you can do it. And what is your ability not necessarily what it says in your birth certificate, and that's what he's going with right now. And it's going to be a very different dynamic and a very different vibe out there, especially going back to to Bruce Arians' staff, considering how, I mean, that was downright elderly compared to what we have here four years later. And to Craig's point, it's so much about the relationships because so many of these guys can come in and they can nail an interview. They can you know, pull up some analytics, talk about what their offense did, what their defense did. We had this receiver that went for 1,000. But you want to have seen how this guy works, how he operates. And, you know, another thing I appreciate just hearing from Jonathan Gannon, um, he, he talks about how adaptable he is. And so he wants to bounce things off of people. He wants to bring in fresh ideas. He wants to bring people from other organizations that have been other places and done other things and be able to bring things to the table. And he doesn't want to come in and say, this is my way. This is how we're going to do things. You have all of these new voices. He has worked with them, but you got to believe a past relationship opens up that line of communication of, you know, we're all working together. We're all aligned. We all have the same type of vision. So let's challenge each other. And look, uh, you know, Jonathan Gannon, he's, he's already talked about how there was some disagreements in the interview process about things that he and Monty Asifor were talking about, but it's done respectfully, and that's how you build an organization. If you have one voice that's leading the way and is unchallenged, that's never going to work. You have to have voices and you have to have experience, but you need to have that type of relationship where you can stand up on a table and disagree with somebody, and you walk out of that room and you guys are still colleagues and you're still friends, and, and you kind of get that feeling that that's how they're assembling this staff. It is an experienced staff, but inexperienced in their current positions this season. And I'm sure yeah, there is pause for concern because you haven't been in that spot before. 
And so, yeah, you'll have to go in and with an open mind and try to see if it works. We don't know right now, Kyle, if it's going to work. But right now, what we hear and what we read on paper, hey, at this point, there's nowhere to go but up with this team. Yeah, and, and to his point, next year's NFL is going to look different. The NFL changes every year. So experience in what the NFL was last year or five years ago or ten years ago doesn't necessarily correlate to success next year. Every year the league evolves. Every year there's a new trend. Every year there's a new wrinkle in the NFL that everybody has to adjust to. So does having coached a, a team that did really well six, seven, eight, nine years ago, does that help you in next year's NFL? Not necessarily. It's like the Broncos interviewing Rex Ryan. <laughs> You're like, really? Okay. But then again, it is about your mindset. And what did Gannon say on the radio side right after his opening press conference? And I quoted it loosely where he said, it's not my way or the highway to Kyle's point over there. It's not we've always done it this way. Gannon's saying, if that's your mindset, you will die in today's NFL. Quote, unquote. That's where it comes back to that adaptability. You must adapt. Because it's too easy. It's too predictable if you're running one thing or you have one way to go about how you're running an offense or defense or your philosophy. So you better incorporate a lot of different things and you better evolve over the course of the season. How many times over the last two or three years did we say adjust to the adjustment? And it was missing. And when the Cardinals were flailing the end of 2020, 2021, we all looked at each other and said, is there going to be an adjustment to the adjustment? And never quite happened. You go in with a plan. And plans change. Plans always change. That happens in life, everyday life. You go in thinking one thing, something changes, and you have to adjust. You have to adapt. Uh, absolutely. And not even adjust in games about what's happening. You know, There's no better example of this past season of adjusting to who's available that day. And that's what he talked about. Like, It's not going to be a set system even week to week because we're going to have to ad- adapt to which players are available that weekend. And that is oftentimes the story of the NFL because injuries are going to happen. And uh, and how can you adjust the offense to who you have available? When you have your third quarterback of the season under center, when you have your fourth quarterback under center, can you adjust the offense so you have a chance to win a game? Yeah, and this past season, things changed not weekly, but daily in terms of who was going to be available that day's practice or that week's game. So, yes, 15 years of experience for Jonathan Gannon, including three seasons as a pro and college scout. So, yeah, inexperienced head coach along with his coordinators and perhaps at least right now, Paul, his coaching staff. But again, this is very new. There have been five names tied to this coaching staff. There are still plenty more to be added. And then there's the most important relationship with the head coach and the GM. And to Kyle's point, we asked him on the Big Red Rage, Jonathan Gannon, about how he had cited they already had a disagreement in the interview process. And I said, so was a, it was about the roster. He said, oh, yeah, that too. So there were a couple of different disagreements. You know, That's good, though. I, I like the healthy discourse, the back and forth where you can ask someone if they maybe have thought about it this way or in that manner without them getting personally offended or think it's some sort of a front to their job security and their acumen. No. So if that's a sort of environment, then I just think that's where you get that that one plus one equals three. And and you know what? Um, you can figure out if you don't necessarily have the best players in every level of, of your offense or defense, but you're able to be effective and productive. It's really no different than the two of you because the fact that you guys are able to work together despite the fact, Paul, that Kyle did not invite you or myself to the Super Bowl a couple weeks back, yet we're still here together 
talking about the Arizona Cardinals. We, we're good at the high-low block. He takes the high, I take the low. We do those combo blocks that eh, can be a little illegal at times in the NFL, but man, are we effective. Well, and just because we're colleagues doesn't mean we're friends. We, we, <laughs> That's right. We can still respect yeah. each other. It's a working relationship, Bree. Right. Don't get it wrong. It doesn't extend past these yeah. walls here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Much more on Jonathan Gannon, what we heard, what we've since learned from the new Cardinals head coach. 15 seasons in the NFL, the past two as the Eagles defensive coordinator. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Extremely excited today to be in front of you, and I have the honor of introducing Jonathan Gannon as the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Just know this, we're going to be adaptable, we're going to be violent, we're going to be explosive, and we're going to be smart. And all three phases go into that. And we will maximize the talents of the players that we have, and that's how we're going to win games. And don't get it twisted, we're going to win games. I'm guessing, Kyle, of that soundbite, which really stood out to me and most people when Jonathan Gannon was introduced last Thursday, but the word violent stood out to you. And considering I would consider you an old-school player, you play because you have that passion. You don't play for the statistics, but being violent on the football field. And that's, yes, there is a difference between off the field and on the field, but you need to have that mentality between the lines. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I love it. That, that was my favorite part, but each each one of those pieces was so important. But I, I love the violence of the game. To me, that's that's what football is. You can't, you know, there's so many guys now that with, with the way youth football is and seven-on-seven seven and flag football try to out-scheme people. At the end of the day, so many games are won and lost by – by being physical, by out physicaling your opponent, by having, and again, what what I love about him is he came from a place that look they had phenomenal athletes on both sides of the ball, but it was built inside out. They had the best O line in the league. They had the one of the best, if not the best, defensive line in the league, and that won them so many games right there. So you can expect that with Monty Awesome Ford and with Jonathan Gannon that this team, that's how it's going to be built. It's going to be built in the trenches and 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 with him talking about being violent and being physical and setting that tone from day one, not saying I'm the smartest coach in the league, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to come up with these phenomenal schemes that are going to win us games. He's saying we're going to be physical and we're going to be violent. And that's not something you just say on Sunday before the game. You know, you do you do jog throughs and, and, and you know, little pat and goes at practice and you show up on Sunday and say today we're going to show up and we're going to be violent. It's a mentality that needs to start day one and has started day one, and it needs to be talked about every single day. And with the number of players sitting front row, Paul, in that introductory press conference, yeah, the message was for everyone, but I'm sure indirectly a message to those players sitting right there because, to Kyle's point, it does start today, and that's off-season, training camp, preseason. And you can say it doesn't mean everyone's going to buy it. To me, that moment was the money moment, the most memorable moment of that press conference. And it it really spoke to some of the scouting reports we heard about Jonathan Gannon. Our first exposure to him, we had heard Monty Asavor talk about a natural leader. He has a charisma to him, was his quote. 
There were other reports where the Cardinals felt like he had that natural it factor. That was something that followed Gannon. Even some of the analysts had tweeted out that in production meetings before games, they'd meet with the Eagles defensive coordinator, and a couple of them said, you know, within five minutes of meeting the guy, you're like, yep, this guy's going to be a head coach at some point soon. So to me, I heard leadership in that moment. He didn't hesitate. There was confidence. To your point, players were nodding along. Players were buying it. And it didn't seem canned. And so when you heard Michael Bidwell say during the same press conference that every time he's been put in a position to lead, he has excelled, uh, That's you know I, I thought that was a good example, illustration of what he was talking about. A clear message was sent during that 40-minute introductory press conference. Now it's staff, players, who Gannon will want to be a part of this journey with the Arizona Cardinals. He spoke about that one characteristic that he wants everyone to have. I know Monty and and Michael have heard me say this multiple times. Everybody that we bring in here or that is here or that will be a Cardinal will have elite football character because you will not hit your ceiling if you don't have that. And what I mean by that is is you have to be team first, and that's how we're going to build this team. Team first, which I go back, Kyle, to what Monty Ford said during his introductory press conference. No egos in this building. It's about the team, and that includes not just the 53 players, but the coaching staff and everyone in the building. Yeah, and, and everything kind of works together, right? Team first is being adaptable. Some, sometimes you're not going to be a huge part of the game plan. You might be a decoy lined up out wide, but that's team first. You're not going to complain, hey, I'm not getting the ball this game. If our offense is rolling and it's working and we're winning games, accept your role. Your role is not going to be the same week to week. Being violent, hey, it's, it's human nature to not want to embrace pain, to endure pain, but being violent – that's a team-first attitude, right? You go out there and you hit somebody. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody is willing to do that. But when you are worried about the other 21 players on the field, when you're worried about the entire roster, when you're worried about this organization, and you put the team first, you're willing to stick your face in there when other players wouldn't. Being smart, look, when you're tired, it's tough. But putting the team first, you realize you know, this team led the league in penalties. And that can't happen. That's a part of being disciplined. But putting the team first is that accountability, saying that five-yard penalty in the first quarter for being offsides might not matter in that moment. But I refuse to be that guy. I'm going to put the team first. I am not going to let the team down. And that's all encompassed in being having that elite football character. And, and I love that the word elite is put at the beginning. It's not just football character. It's, it's elite football character. We're not going to be... A good team. He doesn't envision this. His his vision of this team is not be a good team. It's to be an elite team. And to do that, you have to have a team full of guys with elite football character. It can't be 21 guys that take the football field. It's got to be all 22 that have that elite football character. And that is something, you know, with his scouting background and, and with Monty Austin Ford's background and it, that is something that you can identify in college players. It's not just how fast do they run, how much do they bench press. Sometimes you might draft a guy that runs a 4-4 over a guy that runs a 4-3 because of, you know, he's accountable, he shows up every day, he puts the team first, he's willing to do things that not everybody is willing to do, and those are the guys that make your team special. On hard knocks during training camp, we got a window into what the Lions' philosophy was. They were going after those guys. Yeah, there were the measurables, yeah, there was the production, sure there was the film. They really tried to drill deep into the mindset. 
So when you go after a Dave Sears and you bring him in as assistant GM, uh, I'm curious how prominent a role that'll play as we head into the draft. And obviously you got to knock these drafts out of the park the next couple of years. But that accountability, and I was going to ask Kyle, you know, ultimately – coaches like to say it comes down to players holding each other accountable having that responsibility your teammate the guy next to you in the huddle the guy next to you in the locker room is that coach speak or is that for real is that a real dynamic that can really hold players accountable and elevate their game well you you've got to have the right locker room your leaders have to be the most accountable players your leaders have to be the first ones in the last ones out have to be the hardest workers because accountability only comes you know hard work and accountability and, and being a team guy, that is currency in the NFL. That gives you a voice. But if you're a guy that doesn't practice hard, if you're a guy that has shown up on game film as being a guy that has loafed and taken plays off and not given his all, then you don't have that voice. You can't have a player-led locker room. But that does start from the top down. It has to start you know, week two of training camp when guys are dog-tired and somebody messes up and the coach – you know, you mess up two plays in a row, and the coach blows the whistle and says, we're starting this drill over. Not letting things slide, not letting things go, paying attention to detail, and not being okay with anything less. So it starts with the coaching staff, and then the the leaders of this team understand this is how it's going to be, and we'll take the reins from here, and then they can hold everybody else accountable. You get the impression, at least I got the impression, that if you aren't on board, you're not going to be here. And how long that takes to kind of flush out, whether it's coaching staff or players, it's harder when you're talking about the roster. But Gannon has, as you talked about, elite character that he wants on his football team. Now, how long does it take to get a roster full of players with elite football character? But he has worked his way up the ranks. 2007, a defensive assistant with the Falcons, and there's been stops with the Titans, the Vikings, and obviously the last two seasons with the Eagles as defensive coordinator. So yes, first-time head coach, just 40 years young, but he sold himself to Michael Bidwell and Monty Austinfort, as he explained last week on the Big Red Rage. I care about the players, and I've done a good job in my career of, so far of getting to, to maximize the players. And you know, and get them to hit their ceilings. But um, you know, ultimately, it's servant leadership. You gotta you gotta care about the players as people first, then as players, and you want to see them do well. You know, and I think the the other thing that they really liked, and I think that it helped our defense in Philly was to explain to them and and tell them the reasons why that the team goes above themselves. It's not about you. It's about the team. You know, when they understand how they fit in and their role that they fit in to the defense or to the team, they can accept that and really be very productive and be a star within their role. Gannon is not going to make this about himself. At least that's the impression I get. And you hear him talk about it's the players. And at that press conference as well, Kyle, he talked about, yeah, we're going to coach them hard. We might lean on them a little bit, but we also want to love them because at the end of the day, we are only as successful as the players as you call that the secret sauce with the football team I love it Uh, to me that's one of the best things I've heard from a head coach is I care about the players I care about them as people players need to know that 
players never want to be a means to a head coach's end. They don't want to be uh, a reason that the coach gets the next contract and feel like they're just a number out on that football field. And I have been on teams, I've been on teams with players that have been on my team for three years, and they told me, I've never had a conversation with the head coach. I've never Mm. sat and talked to the defensive coordinator one-on-one. And that is not how you build a locker room. That's not how you build a trust. Like So much of a team is, is trust as a player. You trust that a head coach has your best interests in mind. Obviously, the team's best interests come first, but you don't want a coach to, to ever feel like a coach is using you. You you don't want to be, again, a means to their end, try to advance their career, feel like I'm just a stop or I'm just a number and they will get rid of me in a heartbeat because, quite honestly, that's about how 90% of the league feels is that you know when this team feels like I'm no longer useful, when they don't care about me, they'll get rid of me in a heartbeat. And you don't ever want to feel like that. You want to, football, you do so much together. You sweat together. You hurt together. You go through struggles together at some point in the season, hopefully early, hopefully at the end of training camp, if it's done the right way, you feel like a family. And that's what how it should operate. And to hear a head coach say, I care about the people. I want to understand how they work. And then during the course of a game, you could come to a player and say, what do I need to do? What, what can I do to help you get to where you need to go? Think of how many players, how many playmakers, how many names on that Eagles defense. 70 sacks, four guys at 11 or more. Even Hassan Reddick, I think he got to 15 at one point late in the season, and the quote from Jonathan Cannon to the national media was, yeah, he'd have 25 if I didn't drop him into coverage so much. So a lot of those guys had to subjugate their own personal agendas on that loaded Eagles defense. I mean, they're pulling Indomitian and Sue off the bench at the end of the season. So there are a lot of big names. Guys who had been there and done that, and somehow Gannon got them all to buy in to that team concept. By the way, on that Eagles defense, seven of the 11 defensive starters to become unrestricted free agents March 15th. Hello. 20 overall on that Eagles roster. Just throwing that number out there and the availability, perhaps, future in 2023. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. is split left. Under center is Murray. Connor the deep back. Second and goal on the one. Murray takes play action. Rolling to the left and Murray will walk into the end zone for the touchdown. And then he sits down and does baby Yoda even if he denies it. Oh my goodness. That was lethal right there and dirty I might add to go ahead and run that play fake to James Connor and then just keep it and this time roll out to the left. That was filthy. And he can say he's never watched Star Wars, but this is Grogu. If you've seen The Mandalorian, it's Grogu. By the way, season three of The Mandalorian to debut next month. I know, Paul, you've got it on your calendar. See, you Syracuse guys had a lot of time during the winter, so you got into the Star Wars, The Mandalorian, and just never really left your DNA. That's one of those things. You pay all that money for that Syracuse education, and then, boom, you come away experts on Star Wars. Telling you, it's a good series. I highly recommend it for everyone out there. Welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Craig Riolu, Paul Calvisi, and Kyle Vandenbosch talking more specifically with respects to Jonathan Gannon and his reported offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, with respects to Kyler Murray. And quoting Jonathan Gannon, this over the weekend to Peter King, quote, if Kyler Murray isn't here, I don't take this job, end quote. 
And during that introductory press conference, Kyle, Gannon made it very clear. There were a lot of questions asked to Gannon about K-1 with K-1 in that front row, but that is the most important relationship for any head coach, certainly here with the Arizona Cardinals as well. Yeah, it it was something that I think everybody needed to hear. You needed to hear that endorsement because, I mean, Kyler's taken a lot of criticism this last season, um, and you needed a head coach to come in and say he is the reason. Not necessarily the full reason, but I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And he's exactly right. I mean, you're looking at a quarterback. Um, you, you know, he had a, a again. Paulie's talking about he had a front row seat to a lot of things. Jalen Hurts was a quarterback that a lot of people didn't think would become the player he has become in a, in a short amount of time. And and to see his development and to develop an offense around his skill set. I mean, obviously, um, you know, he did things this year that he hadn't done in the past, and and. They won games because of him and not in spite of him. And and Kyler has this similar a similar skill set. He's he's a good runner. He can he's got a great arm and has a lot of poise. And and so, um, you know, to say this Kyler was a huge reason, and to see there him be so excited to know that Kyler was in the building rehabbing and to um, have that interaction caught on film, it was great. And. And, you know, again, of uh, to me, the thing I love is already he's developing these relationships with the players. In fact, my favorite <laughs> clip is him and Rondell Moore. He just walks up to Rondell Moore and just goes, shoom, 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 <laughs> and just talks about he's going to take shots. I mean, to have that type of energy and, and to just be so excited about meeting the players and, 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 again, to understand, as we all know, this team will, you know, Again, I talk about it being built from the inside out. This team will only go as far as Kyler Murray takes them. And we all know because we've seen how special he can be. And he is fully intent on bringing that out of him. And and to hear, again, I'm sorry, his perspective on how hard it was to prepare for him and the challenges he presents, um, you know, you can expect special things from Kyler Murray. Before you jump in here, Paul, I want to go back to your conversation with Gannon on the Big Red Rage when you asked about that relationship between head coach, and here, Kyler Murray. Yeah, we're going to have a great relationship. You know, he's he's a direct reflection of me. That position is the player that's most like a coach on that field because he touches it every snap. The vision that we have for him is is to maximize his skill set. You say, well, that's kind of general. No, it's not. He can throw it over your head. He can beat you on the first, second, third level throwing it, and he can beat you on the first, second, third level running it. My ears perked up when I heard that. Not only in real time, but the second time when I heard the interview as well. I thought before you're going back to the Big Red Rage, I thought you were going to go back to that sound effect from Kyle because that was straight <laughs> out of the Mandalorian or Star Wars. It sounded like a lightsaber over there. I thought that was the Rondell Moore. Uh, look, he just had a front row seat for Jalen Hurts, and I love that because the only thing more impressive than Jalen Hurts and the season he just put in, being a second-team All-Pro quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes, was how all those veteran players swore by Jalen Hurts. As they got into the playoffs and into the Super Bowl and all the media coverage, and it was extensive, when a Fletcher Cox and a Brandon Graham and those kind of dudes talk about how they were buying into the leadership of Jalen Hurts and what sort of offseason he had and how everybody just follows his lead, if you can instill some of that into Kyler Murray while also maximizing his skill set, Jonathan Gannon knows, and he talked about it there, and he talked to Peter King. He said the two toughest games he had to prepare for all of last season, Kansas City and Arizona. 
One, because Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And number two, just the dynamic skill set of a Kyler Murray and what you have to account for. So how can you get that out of Kyler? You know, and, and, and he went into some detail with Peter King, did he not, about getting him under center. And, and Kyle, you know about this because we had players in the Big Red Rage the last two seasons, defensive players, who would say when they were just, just offhand remarks to say, you know, when the other team is in shotgun, they were thankful because it would eliminate the amount of stuff that they had to account for as a defensive lineman. So let's reverse engineer that. Why wouldn't you want to put a defense in, you know, in the most conflict possible by putting your quarterback under center? And I think you know, it's easy to presume, and now he's confirming it, that definitely would be more of the Cardinals' offense going forward akin to what they did with Jalen Hurts in Philly. The direct quote from Jonathan Gannon to Peter King, Football Morning in America, when you're in the gun all the time, you don't make the defense defend certain play types. And as a defender, Kyle, you know all about that. Yeah, it's it's again, you know, it's a lot of it's the positioning of the running back. Y- your runs are pretty much you can eliminate half the field, and you know the run's going to come this way at least ninety percent of the time. And and you hear it from running backs a lot too, is they would much rather have the quarterback under center, get a full head of steam instead of your first step being sideways and then getting going north south. So, um, and, and yeah, I'm excited to see what this offense looks like. And you know, it's something that Wolf has talked about. It's something that a lot of people have talked about. Let's get Kyler under center because it. It presents so many more problems for a defense. And to hear it from a guy who was a defensive coordinator, how how it's so much more predictable when the quarterback's in shotgun all the time and how much more difficult it is when he's under center, um, it makes the world of difference. And and he, again, it's a, it's a pr- perspective from the other side of the ball, but he knows what's hard to prepare for. He knows which plays are the, are the most difficult and which type of offense is the most difficult to prepare for. Going back to the Big Red Raid, Jonathan Gannon on how he can help Kyler Murray get back to that MVP level. I'll work hard with making sure that he understands from a defensive perspective, hey, dude, you're not going to get this because they can't run those calls because of this. Or you're going to get a lot of this because of who you are. So what's our plan for that? Because I know they're going to spy you. I know they're going to three-man rush, two-man rush, four-man rush, and they're going to spy you. So that stresses out the coverage. So let's make sure we're doing a good job with that. Um, He'll have a very very clear understanding of how he needs to operate running the offense and what defenses are going to try to do to stop him. Going back to Gannon's introductory press conference when asked about the offense and this, remember, he is a defensive-minded now head coach, but, quote, I have a very specific vision of how I want to play on offense, end quote. And then you add the fact that you hired Drew Petzing, 35 years old, past three seasons with the Cleveland Browns this past year, quarterbacks coach worked with both Jacoby Brissett and Deshaun Watson. Brissett had one of his better seasons before Watson came back off of suspension. So what to expect when Petzing is the OC? Zach Jackson covers the Browns and NFL writer for The Athletic. Talked about that recently on Arizona Sports. I think you can bank on the bootleg game, the play action game, moving the pocket, being a part of it, right? And then, you know, through personnel, through Kyler getting healthy, through years, right down the road, they didn't hire Gannon and, and Petsing for, for just this year. You know, I think you'll see it more opened up. The base offense does have a lot of natural movement, bootleg stuff in which, you know, you would think Kyler would succeed. Very difficult to run play action if you're not under center, Paul. No doubt. I mean, how many times have we gone against the 49ers or the Rams and you watch Kyle Shanahan's offense or Sean McVay and and we lead those games saying, you know what, a lot of what they're doing with their quarterbacks and Matthew Stafford, you could easily do with Kyler Murray. 
yet the Cardinals really didn't do a lot of that for whatever reason. And, and let's not mistake it, Kyler had a down year for Kyler Murray. And there are a couple of stats that really stand out. I don't want to get heavy into stats, but in 2021, when Kyler led all quarterbacks in DVOA deep throws, it's an analytic, and then last season he was dead last before he got hurt. I mean, look at the contrast. Look at the disparity there. When when Kyler Murray was pressured last year, according to the analytics, he was dead last in production and passer rating, and he had zero touchdowns and six interceptions when he was under heavy pressure. So these are two areas that they have to remedy and remedy quick. And I think part of the process, because Kyler's not going to be available right away, we don't think, at least in early September, is restore his confidence. And I talked a little bit about this in Cardinals Underground, what Mike McDaniel did with Tua. And, you know, Tua had a tough go of it, especially under Brian Flores, which might be one reason why Brian Flores is not the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know. That's abject speculation right there. But they had to rebuild Tua's confidence before they got the playmaker back out on the field. And this could be some of that. I wouldn't be surprised if Jonathan Gannon, this is a very methodical, deliberate approach to be very ultra-positive about Kyla Murray, to make him realize, you know what? Two-thirds of the way through 2021, you easily could have been the NFL MVP. Last season, there was no quarterback that operated out of the shotgun more than Kyla Murray. Better than 95% of the time. Now, second was Jalen Hurts at 94%. Interesting. But what Jonathan Gannon saw was the ability to do both. There's a way to kind of have a happy medium, if you will. It doesn't always have to be under center. Yeah, and and to Paulie's point, the other way to have a good play-action pass game is to have a good run game. You've got a head coach that came from a team that had a super effective run game, and you got an offensive coordinator that came from Cleveland who was built around the run game. Now you have play-action pass so many times last year. James Conner would leave the game with six yards of carry but only have like 15 carries, and we're like, why didn't they give him the ball more? You can expect his vision of the offense will be built around the run game a little bit more. Why is Gannon the head coach? A little behind the scenes coming up. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Starts by one, you had to not pick the new guy up. Yeah. Starts by one, Roger. He's standing on the other side of the door like I thought. He is fired up. There you go. Good to see you, man. Perfect. Say hi. Hi. Hi, Arizona. Look at Arizona, this is Jonathan Gannon. Very excited. Very excited. Let's rip it. Let's rip it. The Cardinals have the lead. Some more Murray magic. We're going to have a great relationship. He's a direct reflection of me. Mark it down on your calendars. Flight plan. Season six. Emmy Award winning flight plan. Episode number one coming up on Thursday, 7 p.m. on YouTube. A little behind the scenes look at how Jonathan Gannon came to becoming the Arizona Cardinals head coach. And yes, something that we are all looking forward to because no one does it quite like the Arizona Cardinals digital content team. Let me tell you, I'm going to watch it to start my day, actually. I'm going to wait till like 6 in the morning. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to be all fired up. I'm going to attack the day. Maybe I'll get the blocking sled out there on the practice field, Kyle. Boom! I'm going to go a forearm shiver off the blocking sled. Maybe some of the tackling dummies. Uh, I tell you, I'm going to lead by example when that comes out. See, the problem is, though, Paul, you say you're going to watch it at 6. By 6, Kyle's already had half his day gone <laughs> by right. and has already gunned yeah. through most of his He's work. already been in the squad rack. That's right. <laughs> 
And that blocking sled, it, it gets hit harder by the wind out there on the field than, than Paul Calvisi. That hurts. Goes back to what we talk about, accountability. you got to hold each other accountable. And the perfect example is Jonathan Gannon, as he talked about during his introductory press conference. Player accountability is, is simply this. you got to define what winning behavior is and hold people to that standard. It's as easy as that. It's your daily actions with what you're doing on a daily basis to improve yourself as a player and as a team. And accountability is just not a negative. It's a positive, too. So when people do the right thing, that shows that's winning behavior, and, and you're going to see that our guys, we're going to love them up as, as hard as we're going to be on our guys. We're going to love them up even more. Not sure if there's going to be that accountability board that Bruce Arians once upon a time had, but I do think, Paul, we are going to know whether directly or even indirectly as far as accountability because the words or the actions will reflect Gannon's words. Do you think there's going to be that moment, that moment that's on display for everyone, like when Bruce Arians a few days into his first training camp yelled at the legend, Larry Fitzgerald, for everyone to hear? The story of what Brian Dable did early in the season with Daniel Jones. He messed something up, came to the sideline in the first quarter of a game, and Brian Dable unloaded on him. And the rest of the team said, okay, we are on a level playing field here. I'd, I'd be very curious to see if there's going to be that moment where either A, someone tests the head coach, or B, someone's just flat out deserving of his ire and his wrath. And if he puts it on display for everyone to see, by design. You have to treat everyone equally, even though not everyone is equal in that locker room. Yeah, nothing divides a locker room quicker than when somebody gets special treatment, when they're not held accountable, when somebody is not doing the right things and it shows up on Sundays. Look, accountability hurts at times. Accountability can be painful, but the ultimate payoff comes in the wins and losses, and and that's what players want. They don't always want to be held accountable, but they want the results that come with me. The Jonathan Gannon era is underway the first full week. Next week, scouting combine for the Arizona Cardinals and the rest of the National Football League. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, our executive producer, Jim Almohundro, technical director, Cody Fincher, for Kyle Vandenbosch, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you later. This is the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.